Does Joe Douglas belong on the hot seat? We'll talk about it today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listener, first watch every day. Subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you enjoy the show and are watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out and helps other Jets fans find the show. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week. If you're traveling today, please be safe. And today we have our mailbag show. Each Wednesday, we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. And our first question is about a hot-button topic, Joe Douglas. It's from Cameron, who asks, does Joe Douglas deserve to be on the hot seat right now? I 100% agree in Salah and Hackett needing to go. But a lot of things I read want Douglas gone as well. Has he done enough to warrant this? He's had phenomenal success in building a defense, but his offensive decisions are questionable at best. Bad quarterback decisions all around from starters and backups. This might be more on Salah than Douglas, but young talent wanting out on a team consistently is alarming, and it worries me for the, for the 2022 rookies down the line. How long until Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall realize this team is impacting future contracts? Any lack of urgency in getting offensive line is completely head-scratching. And for now the rumor is for 2024, the Jets will pursue Devontae Adams. This would be great if we had an offensive line. What's your take on the situation? Does he deserve one more year with a different coach of the team? So this is a, this is a long question. goes into a lot of details here. And I think if you look at the total record, I would say it's not good enough. And that's I think part of the complication with Douglas is people compare him with his predecessor, Mike McCagnin. And almost anybody you hired would have been better than Mike McCagnin. But you have to remember, Douglas came in with a tremendous amount of hype. I mean, everybody around the league, all the media types, just praised Douglas nonstop. They made him out to be the next great GM in the NFL. And he has not been that. No, he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been McCagnin level. He's been, you know, he's been decent. I mean, not, not to say he's done nothing right. He's actually done quite a bit right. He's done a great job building the defense. In fact, I would say he's done, he's built half a Super Bowl team. The Jets' defense is Super Bowl caliber. The problem is the offense is you know, not even NFL caliber. And as with any situation in the NFL, it's a combination of bad luck and bad decisions. But you know, this is a results-oriented business. I was always one who said you, know, you had to let this play out for a couple of years with Douglas. And that was only fair because the Jets really handled the situation behind his hiring bizarrely when you look at the time frame. You know, the Jets let McCagnin spend all that money in 2019 in free agency, and they let him run the draft, and then they fired him. It was a bizarre move. And when you spend as much money as the Jets did that offseason, you essentially put the roster in place for two years. So they hired Douglas after not only the 2019 roster was set, but for the most part, the 2020 roster was set. So it was like year three before Douglas could really start putting his imprint on the team. And yeah, he could make a few moves on the edges in 2020, but you know the team was pretty much 
done by that point. I mean, McCagnan essentially set the roster for two years. So 2021 is really the first point where this became Douglas's team. And that's not to make an excuse for Douglas. That's just the fact of the situation. The Jets, you know, I don't think there are many situations where you can say you can't judge the GM until year three, but the Jets, because they've so mishandled the McCagnan thing, put Douglas in that situation. But now we're in year three. He's had an opportunity to put his imprint on the roster. And at the end of the day, it's not good enough. Now, you know, there's a debate to be had. Is it the case where Douglas is just great at evaluating the defense and bad at evaluating the offense? You know, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, outside of Garrett Wilson, the receiver decisions have all been terrible. The quarterback's moves have been bad. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, he's made a lot of great additions on defensive line, a lot of great additions at corner. Is it a case where the Jets have people in place who can evaluate certain positions but not other? Perhaps. But I also think, you know, it's possible that Douglas is just a middle-of-the-pack GM. And if you play this out long enough, he'll start making some decisions on defense that aren't so good. He'll start making some decisions on offense that are better. Maybe he's just a guy who you know, gets some of it right, but not all of it. That's also possible. I think that, you know, if you're talking about getting rid of Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett, and if you're talking about, well, this is the coach's fault, I think to an extent that's true. I think that this team is probably a little bit more talented than how they're playing. But at the on the other hand, you know, if you don't like Robert Sala, Who's the GM who hired him? And, you know, the two most important decisions any team makes are the head coach and the quarterback. And I think if you think Salah, I, I don't think the book's entirely written on Salah yet, even though I'm very down on him. But if you think Salah is no good, that means Douglas has messed up the two most important spots because he messed up on the Zach Wilson pick. And if you think he's messed up on Salah, then, you know, he's over two in the, the most critical decisions you make as a general manager. I think that you could justify keeping Douglas maybe another year or two. I think if you look at the draft record, that's probably his saving grace. It's pretty good. And I know people will look at the high profile misses and that's fair. I mean, listen, there were a lot of bad picks. Elijah Moore ended up being a bad pick. Uh, the 2020 draft just looks like a complete whiff. Uh, there's a lot, lot bad, but you have to remember the draft, a good GM has a pretty low batting average. It's not a case where you hit on over half your picks every year. And yeah, most of the great picks were in one draft, but you know, sometimes that's how it works out. You know, talking about how it evened out. It wasn't like I'm not sure Douglas was necessarily doing something great in 2022 and terrible the other years. The evaluation process was probably probably the same. You know, just as I'm not sure Douglas is a is an awful offensive GM and a terrible and a great defensive GM. I think maybe it's just he's middle of the pack kind of guy, and the timing of the hits and the spots where the hits happen might be coincidental. I think that if Douglas is to return and, and look, I think if you draft well, that overcomes a lot of other problems. I think the Jets have drafted pretty well, but I think if Douglas is to return to this team next year, they have to overhaul this front office. I mean, there are just too many areas where the front office is weak. They've been terrible in free agency and they have run the cap terribly. Those are two spots where they need to make big changes in this front office. You can keep this, the college scouting staff in place, but there are other changes that need to be made. So, you know, I think it's fair for Douglas to be on the hot seat. This is your, you know, the most generous assessment would be this is really year three for Douglas. And this team's going to miss the playoffs again. It's going to have a third straight losing season. At what point do wins and losses start to matter? I think we're past that point. You know, 2019, you could say it was McCagnan's team. It really was. 2020. It still was. It still wasn't a lot he could do. Twenty twenty one, they were rebuilding. You know, we're now at a point where we're deep enough into this that we should be seeing more progress from this team, and we're not. I mean, I don't know that that necessarily means Douglas needs to be fired, but I think it's fair that he's on the hot seat, and I think it's fair that he's on notice. 
because there's just too much that's happened that has not worked out. Now, head on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to one player who actually has worked out for the Jets. That's Bryce Huff. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. You know, if the Jets coaching staff would ever get it through their heads that they need to play him more, that would be great. Can the Jets afford him, though? Should the Jets look to maybe use that money to fix their offense? Well, I'll give you some thoughts on that as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Game Time. You know you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's a super easy app to use. I've used it myself to buy tickets. You know, Jets are playing the Dolphins on Friday. If you want to head on out to MetLife Stadium for Black Friday, it's the first ever NFL Black Friday game, you got to use the Game Time app. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And their all-in prices show you the total up front, so you'll know you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L. It's one word with no space, LOCKDOWNNFL, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you every day, or this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. We continue now with our weekly mailbag. Our next question is from Pat, who says, John, I don't think the Jets should re-sign Bryce Huff. I know he's an elite pass rusher, and I have no doubt he'll continue to succeed. However, apart from a couple games, this defense has played as good as we could have hoped for it, and it still wasn't enough to win. I'd rather Douglas use the Huff money to go out and get a Mike Evans-type offensive player this offseason. We need so much help on the offense, and not having Bryce Huff next year would not tank the defense. What are your thoughts on the situation? Well, Pat, I understand what you're saying. I don't agree, though. I think Bryce Huff, this is one of the most obvious decisions you can have. You have a 25-year-old pass rusher who's getting to the quarterback as often as any you know pass rusher in the NFL. And if the Jets coaching staff would play him more, you know, this he could be a guy who has 10 sacks. So uh, to me, this is obvious. You keep him. This is not a player you get rid of. I, look, I, I understand the point you're making is that the Jets need to prioritize offense. And I agree with that. But that doesn't mean you let a, you let a, bright, a pass rusher like Bryce Huff go. You find the money elsewhere, I think. Yeah, look, the Jets need to. And the other thing is you let Bryce Huff go. That doesn't guarantee that Mike Evans signs with your team. So I, I just can't let Bryce Huff walk out that door. I mean, if you, I think if you're actually looking at a guy to trade, it would be John Franklin Myers, who's older, later on in his prime, probably going to have some trade value though, because he can play defensive end, he can play defensive tackle. And he's less essential now with Huff in the mix and Jermaine Johnson breaking out. So if I was looking to get rid of a defensive lineman for cap space, uh, John Franklin Myers would probably be the guy I'd look to. But look, with Huff, you've got to figure out a way to make it work. You can set up a contract that has a low first year cap hit. You can figure out ways. You can always keep a player if you want to keep them. You should prioritize certain players. Huff to me is a guy you prioritize because it's not just about next year. It's, it's about, you know, the next four years, he could be here for a while. He could keep producing at a high level for this pass rush. And, you know, the jet defense may not be as well built two, three years down the line as it is now. Yeah. Maybe you could lose Huff next year and it won't have an impact, but it will have an impact down the line. You, you want to keep this guy around. There are certain things you just can't let leave your team. 
and one of them is a great young pass rusher. I think it would be a big mistake for the Jets to let Bryce Huff go. I, I would be very upset. If I, I'll take it even step further. I would be very upset. I think it would be a terrible decision to let Huff go. Our next question. Out of the 2022 draft class of Sauce, Garrett, J, uh, Jermaine Johnson, and Breeze, who would you part with in the offseason to load up on future picks? Well, none of them. Uh, I think these are guys you keep again. Uh, you know, These are not the guys. You don't get rid of the young premium players. The guys you look to deal, the guys you look to trade, are players like in the late prime, late 20s, approaching the end of the line. You know, It's the old line. You try and trade a guy a year too early rather than a year too late because there's certain guys out there who could bring something back for the Jets. Uh, you know, somebody who, you know, I just mentioned John Franklin Myers. I think he'd be a good trade candidate because I think he's got the value. There's a team that needs defensive line help. You deal him because you could still have like, I don't know, like four more great seasons out of Bryce Huff. You could have like one or two really good seasons out of John Franklin Myers. So I think JFM's a guy I'd look to trade. I think that, DJ Reed would be a guy I might look to trade. I wouldn't trade Sauce. I might look to trade DJ Reed, who's you know in his late 20s, entering the last year of his contract, and a guy who depends a lot on his athleticism to make up for his kind of undersized frame. And that means you know the guys who depend on their athleticism, when they start to decline, the, the decline tends to be pretty rapid. I think you know if you ever saw the, like there's a very early season episode of Family Guy where Peter Griffin. Uh, wins a contest. I can't remember exactly what it was, but essentially he's offered either a free boat or a mystery box. And he chooses the mystery box because in his logic is it could be a boat and he's always wanted a boat. And again, the other option is a boat. He chooses the mystery box because it could be a boat. I've always, you know how I've always wanted a boat. That's what he tells his wife. And that's kind of what I feel like when people suggest, uh, you know, trading sauce Gardner or tra trading Garrett Wilson, it's like, you're trying to tra you're trading this young premium player for draft picks because maybe you can get a young, another young premium player. These aren't the guys you trade. These are the guys you build around. You know, uh, guys in their early to mid twenties. These are these are guys that these are the core of your team. And one thing I must emphasize: this is not like the Jets of 2020. This team has a real opportunity to be to retool quickly. Because they have a lot of young talent. The problem is the older guys. And the problem is some of their missteps with the salary cap. But I, I wouldn't even think about trading Sauce Gardner or, or uh, Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall or Jermaine Johnson. These are guys These are guys who should be the core of the team the next five years. So that, that's how I feel about it. I, I think that would be it all. I, I think just I don't see what the benefit is of dealing these guys I, I think that these are guys who should be great jets for a long time and we have to keep them our next question comes from david hi john with the failure of another high quarterback draft pick i wonder if the nfl as a whole has a problem scouting them everybody had zach wilson ranked highly not just the jets and they always say it's because of a big arm or some kind of intangible but you never hear about their ability to read defenses or analyze the play quickly it seems this is usually the area of the game that causes quarterbacks to fail why does a big arm matter if they can't read the defense or get through the reads fast enough. Do teams think they think they can just teach them these things, or is this just a hard thing to scout? I think it's a little of both, but I definitely think teams overestimate their ability to develop players. I mean, the maybe the most uh, obvious example of this that I can come up with is the Jets drafting Christian Hackenberg in the second round. That was clearly a case where the team was way overconfident in its ability to develop a player. Yeah, I, I think what happens is sometimes you talk yourself into a player and look, I, I know this because I'm not a scout NFL scout. I did this with Sam Darnold is that you just want to like a player so badly 
that you ignore the obvious flaws there. It's, I mean, part of it, the quarterback is quarterback's a really tough position to scout because you don't know how guys are going to develop. Josh Allen was not a finished product as he entered the NFL. There were a lot of people, I mean, if, the, if Jets fans are being honest, he was the guy that nobody wanted. You know, the, 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 there would have been a very upset fan base if the Jets had drafted Josh Allen third overall in 2018. And part of that is I think they were scarred by the Hackenberg experience where they drafted a prospect who needed development. The Bills noticed something in his mechanics that they felt like they could fix, and they were right about it. But too often teams are overconfident in their ability to do something like this. I think another problem that exists in the NFL, and you know, I've kind of changed my mind about this in recent years. I always used to hear from like long-term NFL fans who say, you know, quarterbacks didn't used to play as rookies. And I used to say, yeah, but things are different now. You know, the schemes are a little bit easier to to operate and there's also the aspect of the rookie contract where you have four years where where the quarterback you draft is cheap before you have to pay him and if you get a good quarterback on a cheap contract you can spend the cap space that normally would go to paying a lot of money to a quarterback and you can load up the rest of the roster but you know what i think teams put these quarterbacks on the field too early it's great if you have a guy like joe burrow or trevor lawrence who you know is immediately ready to play and even those guys had some issues as rookies but there are a lot of quarterbacks who just aren't ready day one and you know what changed my mind on this was more than anything was watching Geno Smith re resurrect his career in Seattle, where Geno was able to sit for, I don't know, geez, eight years or so, seven, eight years. And he, there was no pressure on him. He just had an opportunity to get comfortable in the system. He had an opportunity to refine his game, work on his mechanics. He comes out and now suddenly he's a quality starting quarterback in this league. And I wonder how many quarterbacks team, the, the league just gives up on too quickly because they th get thrown in before they're ready to play. And, you know, teams feel the pressure. I think the, the reasons are obvious is that, you know, if you're most GMs and head coaches, they don't have the luxury of waiting for a quarterback to develop. In most cases, you know, their job's on the line. You know, if they have a bad season or two, they're out. So they don't feel like they, they can let a quarterback sit. They don't feel they can, you know, think long-term. But I think, that, I think that's a problem. I think a lot of these quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, there's no way he should have been playing year one. There's no way he should have been playing year two. No way he should have been playing year three. But the Jets felt pressure to to throw him out there. And I think that, you know, I don't know if Zach Wilson's ever going to be good enough to play in the NFL. I think there's certainly enough evidence to suggest maybe he's not going to be a good NFL quarterback and he probably would not have been no matter what happened. But I think the way the teams try and develop these quarterbacks is also kind of flawed. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the state of the salary cap. Got a question How much trouble are the Jets in? Well, I think part of it depends on how they approach the upcoming offseason, and I'll, I'll explain what that means as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the largest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball with the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can pick LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like the rapper Meek Hill, a comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each week. And now Price Picks offers a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For fo football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted, and Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance policy. 
Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, it's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for a first deposit match of up to $100 using prizepicks. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday. We're doing our weekly mailbag show. Our next question. I'm curious to know exactly how screwed the Jets are when it comes to the salary cap situation. Yeah, so the cap situation is not great for the Jets. Uh, you know, part of this is going to depend on how they deal with this upcoming offseason. It's an offseason where they don't have a ton of money. Right now, they're projected, you know, based on what people think the cap will be next year to have about $30 million in space. And on paper, you know, you you might say that sounds like a lot. Well, you know, first of all, when you you have to remember that there's money that has to be set aside for first of all signing your draft class. There has to be money set aside for uh, your practice squad, and then you also have to leave a couple million aside for the season because you're going to have injuries. You're going to need to sign players, and that will require cap space. So that takes up about half of the thirty million right there. Now the Jets need two tackles. We know they're going to need a wide receiver. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they don't really have a second defensive tackle after Quinn and Williams. The safety position's on clear. They have, need to sign depth players, you know, a, a number of spots. There's not a lot of cap space. So the question is whether you just take it on the chin next year, just use it as a reset year. You know, don't don't go too crazy this offseason. Just do what you can. Understand that you're going to have holes. Understand you're probably not going to be a Super Bowl team next year. Or do you go all in for Aaron Rodgers' last ride? And this is, if they do that, that's the type of thing that could really do some long-term damage to their cap situation. What I might equate it to, it's not exactly the same thing, but like maybe having credit card debt. Say you've racked up some credit card debt because the Jets essentially to build this team this year, they pushed a lot of 2023 cap hits to future years. And those the bill will come due. And that's part of the reason the Jets have such limited flexibility heading into next season. Let's say you've got a decent amount of credit card debt. Do you, do you decide to forego the vacation or do you throw the vacation on the credit card and just increase the debt because essentially if the jets are going to load up, they're going to have to push 2024 money into the future. And they're going to have to do essentially this becomes a situation where the longer the jets wait to have this reset year that they need to have, the more painful it's going to be. You know, I think we can assume at this point, the jets are not a super bowl team in 2024. I think it's going to be very difficult to get there, whether or not they go all in. You know, if they, if they have another all in off season and they push even more dead money to the future, I don't, still don't think they can get to the Super Bowl. So the question is whether you just admit that fact, or whether you just, or whether you just ignore it and say, you know, it's Rodgers' last ride. Let's worry about 2025, 2026 when we get there. I think based on you know what the upside is, you just take the hit next year. And I may, I'd feel differently if the Jets were closer to the Super Bowl. I think you know, if you have a legitimate shot of getting to the Super Bowl, then you take it. But I don't think the Jets are there. So if the Jets just like take next next season as a reset year, they'll be fine going forward. And yeah, it's look, they've managed, they got themselves into the situation. The reason they'll have to use 2024 as a reset year is because they've mismanaged the cap heading into this, heading into this offseason. But it, they can at least get out of it. it will, it, you know, losing one year is bad, but you don't want to push this that much further into the future because it's just going to get more painful. The more dead money you push to the future, the more painful it'll come when the bill, when the bill finally comes due. And our last question, John. There's been a lot of talk that's deflected some responsibility from Joe Douglas because Aaron Rodgers forced players and coaches onto this roster. Well, I do think Rodgers has earned the right to have a player or two he's comfortable with. It seems like the Jets basically dictated, let him dictate the offseason. Do you think this organization, whether it's Douglas Sala or another regime, has the courage to make necessary changes to be competitive this year 
and give Rodgers a chance to be a, uh, to uh, run a competitive playoff team. I think the problems come from higher. I think that Woody Johnson was so obsessed with trying to get Aaron Rodgers that he just gave him whatever he wanted, and that was that, it. Seems like the 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 ruling came from the highest possible level, and that's Woody Johnson. And do I think Woody Johnson has the guts to stand up and say, you know what, the football people need to make football decisions? Yeah, I, no, I, I think he's going to let Aaron Rodgers do it. I think that, you know, look, there's a balance to be found. I mean, yes, if Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with like a wide receiver, then that's something that you should consider. Because you want to build play, you want to build an offense where the receiver and the receivers and quarterback have chemistry. It's a factor, but you can't go out and just like sign guys because Aaron Rodgers wants them. You can't go out and bring Randall Cobb in. You can't go out and give Lazard the contract he gave him just because just because he's Aaron Rodgers' friend. It's one thing to check with Rodgers and say, you know, do you feel comfortable with this guy? You know, what is it about him? Is there good chemistry here? And factor that into your decision. Say like, okay, well, we've evaluated this guy. We think he's a good fit anyway. We like the skill set he brings. We like the salary we can get him at. And Aaron Rodgers likes him. Like that's one thing. That's one way to make a decision. The other is, well, this guy's Aaron Rodgers' friend. We got to bring him in. Unfortunately, the Jets did the latter this year. I hope that will change. But my sense is that this was an order that came from the owner. And look, I don't want to let Joe Douglas or Robert Sala off the hook because they're ultimately responsible. Their job if the owner dictates that is to push back and to say, we can't do this and try and, you know, build a compelling argument. So let me be clear. I'm not trying to let any of those, anybody off the hook for the bad decisions the Jets made, but I think it comes from higher and I'm skeptical Woody Johnson's going to do what needs to be done. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out, help other Jets fans find the podcast. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow for our Thanksgiving episode of Lockdown Jets.